Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Happy week of love and humanity. Welcome, Power Powerners, to our informational playground of Star Style. Be the star you are. Brought to the airways under the species of Be the Star You Are charity. I am Cynthia Bryan, and you are listening to us on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And today is our Love Fest. It's Valentine's Week, and we have inspiring guests that will inform, entertain, motivate, and get you thinking. Today's Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the star that you already are, and helping you in writing, acting, media, and presentations. For more information, call 925-377-STAR or visit star-style.com. And the Miracle Moment is from Gloria Steinem. Dreaming, after all, is a form of planning. And as we know, if we want to have a great life, we have to plan it. The only way to create your future is to build your future yourself. So we can't wait around and let, you know, love come knocking on the door. Well, today's show, we're going to learn a lot about the science of romance and what it is that attracts or repels us from and to another human being when our health hero, Heather Brittany brings us behind the scenes in segment three. In segment two, we're going to go to the messenger of love and peace herself, our Aussie angel, Nola Hennessy. And right now, you are going to meet one of the winners of the 10th annual 
Be the Star You Are National Essay Contest sponsored by U.S. Bank. Well, every year, you know, people in uh, February exchange cards and gifts and candies and flowers for their special Valentine. So this is our Valentine, our romance show, and we hope that you will sit back and think of all the love that is surrounding you. Well, for the past 10 years, Be the Star You Are has hosted a national essay contest to increase literacy and positive message program and give writers around the country the opportunity to voice their opinions. We had two winners this year, and the winner who is with us today has actually won before. This is like the only time this has ever happened. It is crazy. And sure, the topic was on what it means to be an American. I want you to welcome Malte Winter, and congratulations to Pamela Lewis. Hi, Pam. Hello. Hello, Cynthia. Nice to talk to you again. I know. Well, how did you feel when you found out that the winner is you? (laughs) I was flabbergasted. Uh, it's it's one thing to uh, to win one time and uh, maybe another time, but I do believe this is the third time. And I was really shocked when I received your email uh, message saying that uh, I had won again. Uh, I I just didn't think that lightning could strike three times. And and it has, and I think that you need to you know pat yourself on the back because you're really a good writer. And when you read to us your your um, your entry, your your uh, winning entry, I think people will understand why it was so heartfelt, and it really touches the soul of what it means to be an American. And for everyone, it is is very different. And we want to let um, the, our listeners know that you are a resident of Queens, New York. You teach French to uh, very eager Francophile high school students, but your family came from British uh, Guiana. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And most so of my, you... most of, all, all of my family, I'm pretty much the only one who was born in this country. So this this is part this is part of your heritage, and you obviously love French as well. And it was you um, became interested in writing just a few years ago. So this is really something to just start writing. You know this this later, and then to have so much applause already. So that's pretty exciting. Yes, thank you very much. Well, congratulations to our winner, and the name of um, the title of her entry is Being American, A Hard-Won Identity. And so, Pamela, if you don't mind, we would love you to read your winning entry. Well, thank you very much, and I'll be happy to do that. The definition of American in the 1950s and 1960s, in which I was born and grew up, was clear and unambiguous. It took root in our colonial beginnings and, as articulated in our two most important documents, became the secular equivalent of holy writ. As we pushed our frontier farther westward, we believed that definition to be immutable and eternal. American presupposed patriotism, a strong and largely Puritan work ethic, moral superiority, and unflinching courage in the face of any challenge. It has guided us in how we vote for our presidents, chosen because we believed that they incarnated American values and upheld them as they led their citizens. In our popular culture, 
the images that filled magazine pages or passed across my black and white TV screen were also those of unassailable paragons of American virtue and defenders of our freedom. John Wayne, Gary Cooper, and Catherine Hepburn embodied the American way, a distinct manner of thinking and moving through the world, and one we all strove to emulate if we wanted to fully enjoy a good American life. At the start of every episode of the popular 1970s sitcom, All in the Family, Archie and Edith Bunker banged out on their piano the lyrics from Those Were the Days that summed up America's halcyon days. And you knew who you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. Mister, we could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. While the question of what constituted being an American was an easy one for the majority of white Americans, it was a more complicated one for this country's racial and ethnic minorities, and particularly for African Americans, a group of which I am a part. We all subscribe to our country's claims of equality of all people, yet the painful history of slavery and the reality of our personal lives contradicted those assertions. The tripwire of small and large injustices over which African Americans often fell attested to their living in a different and confusing moral universe, one where the rights and privileges enjoyed by their white counterparts were either severely limited or completely non-existent. Separate and unequal education, denial of the right to vote, and brutally violent acts such as lynchings stood as intractable obstacles to African Americans' ability to feel fully American. Rather than sharing in the nostalgia of those were the days, many felt that the truth was closer to the passage from the musical West Side Story, where the saucily sparring Puerto Rican girls and boys who dance in the song America sing, Life is all right in America if you're all white in America. But as I grew into adolescence during the mid to late 1960s, I became aware of other and more powerful voices, such as those of Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, who spoke to the conscience of white and African Americans alike in saying that a redefinition of America and American was sorely needed. For some, such as myself, that meaning emerged through reading the works of authors such as James Baldwin or Nikki Giovanni, whose uncompromising perspectives on American society inspired me to be more outspoken about racial injustice. For many others, however, finding that meaning exacted a higher price, being spat upon at a lunch counter, facing down the fire hoses and snarling police dogs, or in losing one's life. Our history has shown that unless we are first able to give full expression to our humanity, American has no meaning. But when our humanity is affirmed, American is a word we can feel truly proud to proclaim. Thank you. That was amazing. Oh, thank and it was you. so 
it's so heartfelt, Pamela, because you can feel, you know, you can feel the history of the struggle with it. And, you know, this year is one of these years where I think that Americans in general are looking at our past and realizing the importance of the Native American people, of the African American people, the contribution of the different ethnicities and how we are a melting pot, but what each individual ethnicity has suffered. When you sat down to write this, what was going through your mind? What were you thinking? What, were, what was your writing process? Well, I, I, as you said very, um, very uh, clearly and correctly, that there's a lot of history uh, in my essay, and I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. To, to history, and I really wanted to uh, to bring that uh, perspective to the essay that we that we have to uh, exercise a certain amount of accountability and um, responsibility to our history, even though there are many painful parts to it. We are a wonderful country, and I and I really want to underscore that that we are we are the beneficiaries of one of of the greatest nation on the planet at uh, at the present moment. For a long time, we have enjoyed that. But we also have to acknowledge that there have been very dark sides uh, to that history, parts that, uh, um, that have been painful to other people, uh, where rights have been denied, uh, where many have had to make the ultimate sacrifice, so to speak. And so what was going through my mind when I was um, in the process of writing the essay was that I really wanted to be uh, fair to our American past, the greatness of our past, but to also be honest about uh, certain realities. And uh, it's a risk. It is a risk when you're going to be honest. Um, the people that I mentioned in my essay, such as Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and uh, James Baldwin, they they loved America. I, I want to make that very clear. Sometimes these people have been represented as anti-American. But I think uh, these were some of our greatest lovers of the American nation because they wanted America to do better. They knew that there was uh, a very deep-seated desire, and um, uh, our documents speak to this, that we have a sensibility about what is fair. We're a fair-minded people, but we weren't always meeting uh, those claims. We made very strong claims about our, our country, but we were not doing that. In all instances, we were falling short. And so they felt that they had to speak out against that in a, in a loving way and sometimes in a, in a hard way so that people could change, so that the nation could become better. And you know what I think is so amazing is how much change, and we think our nation was established in 1775, and now here we are in 2014, and the majority of the change has happened in the last 50 years. That's right. But, and it is, it's been just a, you know, I don't, it's been, I don't want to say bloodless, but it's been an evolution and a revolution, but it was because of leaders who took a stand and w did what you said. They had to risk all to, and sometimes paying the ultimate price to make that change for those who are going to come today. And we are the beneficiaries of yes. this. Yes. So it was, it was really brave of you, I think, as well, to take the stand and write this because the topic was what it means to be an American. So that it's a very personal, this is a very personal essay because this is what it really means to you and going back through 
history and your only and your family life. When did your family um, immigrate to this country? My parents came here just after World War II. They they arrived in nineteen. Um, let me see. 1944. I shouldn't say uh, after the war, but uh, just before it ended. So 1944, they left. My mother and father left Guyana, and uh, they came to New York City. And uh, first, they settled with my father's uh, family, who were already here, uh, living in Upper Manhattan. And then after that, they uh, they got their own home and and settled in Queens. And then several years after that, uh, I came along. So. My my family bits and pieces of them have been in in this country uh, for a good long time, so it's it's a, a very unusual background in that I'm an American, I identify as such, but I also have an immigrant past, as as many Americans do, and as a matter of fact, I was even thinking about writing my essay from uh, the, the standpoint of the child of an immigrant. But then this other uh, side of, uh, of the American reality and past uh, came to my mind, and I felt that that was a stronger uh, position that I wanted to discuss. Well, and this is probably something, too, because you are a first-generation American. Yes. And, right? So this really speaks to you having grown up during this time. And you spoke of, you know, the show All in the Family at the Archie Bunker. And, and because there, there was, even though we spoke about integration and, and everyone was one and equal and all this, it wasn't what the actions. You know, the words were there, but the actions weren't saying it. That's right. And, and, I, and I, my mind went to, um, uh, to those were the days and all in the family because we laughed, uh, we laughed very much, uh, at the bunkers, especially at Archie, because he was, he was a ridiculous character, and, uh, he was, um, he was still very much in the past, and that song sort of, uh, represented his thinking that the best days of America were behind us, that, uh, we had real men, we had real women, Herbert Hoover was our greatest president, and, mm-hmm. and, and things were very clear and cut and dried for him, but it was a different truth for for other people. So I, I went to that because uh, he's sort of at the at the midpoint of past and present uh, in in the United States. You know, he's he's looking backward to the good old days, and he's having a very hard time grappling with what is changing all around him. So that uh, I wanted to get that piece in there because all of that was part of what I was growing up with. You know, we were struggling with two different uh, tendencies and two different uh, realities at the same time. Well, and the same, you know, you hit it right on the nose with West Side Story. That is a story that, you know, even though it was so many years ago, and that was Rita Moreno that was one of the, the stars of that, right, and Natalie Wood, is the fact that it, it's very appropriate today. I mean, we're still in a struggle. We're still in a struggle, and it's up to each individual to find for themselves what it means to be an American and to live it, to live it fully, and to yes. live your authenticity just as you are doing. So tell me, um, so that our listeners can know, you have been teaching French and you really enjoy that. What was your impetus to learn French, teach French, and to stay in Queens? Well, I'll, I'll talk about um, uh, the French part first. Uh, I, I first was exposed to French 
very interestingly, when I was in the third grade uh, in elementary school, and the teacher I had at that time, um, I can't remember her name anymore, but I can still see her face. Interestingly, she she knew some French, and she thought it would be nice to have little afternoon uh, after-school classes to teach conversation, a few songs and things like that. And she said anybody who was interested to stay after school for about 30 minutes or so was welcome to do that. And I loved the sound of French. I thought it was beautiful. Um, apparently, I... I picked it up well, uh, certainly loved the songs that uh, she was teaching us and, and some of the other activities that she built around that time. And then when I uh, reached junior high school and it was time for me to make a, uh, a selection of a language, there were only two, French and Spanish, I knew right away that I wanted to take French. And I continued with it uh, through high school. Even though I went to um, a music-oriented school, uh, I attended Music and Art High School, which is now um, the School of the um, Performing Arts, the LaGuardia School of the Arts, but at that time it was Music and Art. But I continued with my French, and for a time I contemplated going into music as a career, but I really loved French. I was uh, very attracted to it. So when I got into college, I decided to make that my major. And uh, and went on and, and earned my degrees in in French literature and I've traveled traveled to France and uh, Canada and uh, eventually I became a, a French teacher and I've been doing that uh, for a long long time now. Well, congratulations again on on um, winning the tenth annual essay contest and continue the French. And I'm just so pleased that you have uh, struck lightning. So, Pamela, thank you so much for entering the contest and for sharing and for sharing your insights because your essay was really, really beautiful. So, thank you. this was Pamela Lewis, uh, a long time, a good winner. So, congratulations, and we will be in touch. And when we come back from break, we are going down under with our peace angel, Nola Hennessy. Stay with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I'll be right back. Thank you. The star you are, light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you energy 
and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, thanks for staying with us here. It's our love fest. And who better to be our guest on our special love and peace show than the woman of passion, love, and positive power, Nola Hennessy. We call her our Aussie angel. She is our peace angel, and she is with us again today to tell us what's going on with Serenidad Consulting because they're in the USA. Hey, Nola, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Cynthia, and and uh, I hope everybody has a really nice Valentine's Day tomorrow. Well, tomorrow I here know. in Australia, anyway. You're right. We have a couple of days because we're a little bit behind you. You know, you Aussies, you run fast. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, you have been doing so many, many things that foster peace and love around the world. And, of course, we're all familiar with your books, No Boxing Allowed, and from Premenstrual to Positive Mental Attitude, the PMS to the PMA. But you are now uh, have an office in the USA, and this is really exciting news. Give us the insights on what's happening at Serenidad. Well, at the, this point in time, I am, whilst I'm focused on establishing our office in the US, and that is still in progress to, to see that physical location uh, stand up, we have an interim you know, agent, we, we have means by which we can communicate about US business. Here in Australia, we're, we're just making sure that foundationally the things that we have in place here will lead us to a fabulous future here. We do predominantly federal government consulting work here in Australia, but we do have a lot of interest in our education seminars, uh, which are focused on the, the philosophies behind my books and what I teach in my books, and it's about individual resilience and um, leading to community resilience in every context. So communities in where we live, communities in our businesses, communities as in countries. And I suppose that, you know, the things that I write about in my books are about people uh, being nice to one another and uh, living the right kind of values, so living with integrity, living with honesty. And, you know, there, there's a saying in my first book about from truth we can grow trust. From trust comes respect. From respect comes love. And when you think about Valentine's Day and love and, you know, people kind of, we remember the 60s and everybody said, oh, you know, make love, not war. That, in principle, is is the reality of it. But we know that life isn't quite as as clear-cut as that and that people are emotional people. We're, We're all, we're based on emotions. You know, our, our bodies operate on an emotional base too, and and we we have to learn how to manage our responses to things and learn how to give in a way that is selfless. And they're the fundamentals to a really healthy kind of love, rather than a selfish love. And I think there's you know there's a lot of work for us to do to teach people about unselfish ways of having relationships with people that are founded on love and respect and trust and truth going back down the, the you know the ladder again um, you know and and when somebody lies 
it, it, it's disappointing because you have to trust somebody that they'll be honest with you. And, and so often we see love relationships corrode as a result of people not being courageous enough to speak the truth. Even, you know, a lot of people run their lives based on their ego and, and um, ego has no place in a peaceful world um, because whilst ever people focus on feeding their ego, and I talk about this in my autobiography, whilst ever people fill their ego cup and it's all about them, they cannot possibly put time into relationships in the broader sense beyond themselves because all they're doing is giving to themselves. And that's a very selfish approach that I just... I just don't think it's going to be sustainable for humanity. Well, and that's really not love when you're just coming from ego and giving to yourself. You just mentioned your autobiography, and I was perusing your website at serenidadconsulting.com and saw that it is um, scheduled for an April launch. Is that still on from Brown Books? We, as far as I know, we're still, we're targeting the U.S. spring and, uh, I'm, I've, uh, we're at the point where we know, you know, how the covers are going to look in the books and we're working on the final content of the interior. The design aspects happen next and we, I will actually be returning some documentation to them in about 24 hours, which enables them to do some final, you know, we have stages that we go through, as you know, you're an author yourself and successful one, and, and we have, you have stages that you go through in the process, but we always plan for around about the end of March, early April, and, and um, so long as it's in the U.S. spring, I think spring is lovely, because spring is new beginnings and, and new energy and growth, and because brown books are in Dallas and you know, that's where my um, company, Global Head Office, and the U.S. operation will be based in that broader Dallas area. It's appropriate to have that happen in the U.S. spring, and I'm um, really excited about it. it. It's still on target, absolutely, and, and I don't want it to be lagged at all. Like, you know, we're doing our best to work together, and it's working really well. Well, it's. I'm sure you must be just delighted that it's just about to be birthed, your book, because this book, when you talk about courage and you talk about love and you talk about selflessness and integrity, this is what your autobiography chronicles. And it really takes us through your life, and I know that you'll be back on when the book is actually released so that we can totally talk about it there. But I want to go back to, in your book, No Boxing Allowed, that whole idea of never putting yourself in the box. Would you just address that? Because when I think of you, Nola, I just think of like you're like a sun ray. You're like light shining out and just emitting love and peace from from every ray that that flies there. How have you come to be this shining ray? Because we all know that you've had a lot of struggles and perhaps it was through those struggles that you were able to shine your light on so many other companies and individuals and do your retreats and your seminars and all these good things that you are doing for our planet. Look, I fundamentally believe that human beings are born good. And, you know, the only exception might be a, a poor little bubby that, that might have been born to a heroin addict mom. 
you know, and that poor child is going to struggle anyway, or an alcoholic mother, because the mother is what nurtures the baby in the beginning. And you know, children are born, babies are born without fear, without prejudice, without bias, without anger. And those responses, those, those emotional responses to events to people are learned responses and and that first seven years and even in that nine months in the in the growth period in utero the way that that baby develops and and comes out into the world and and then absorbs its environment of people and places and things is how that person evolves but at any point in time a human being can actually say you know i really don't like the way I am in that situation or I don't like my response in that way or I don't like the fact that I get angry about stuff and if people have the courage to look at themselves and say okay well what is my preferred state how do I actually prefer to be and I'll address me personally in a second if people generally say how do I prefer to be they can get there. It's no different to writing a project management plan and managing a project that delivers a $200 million piece of equipment or ICT solution or something. It is no different to that. And if people don't limit their capacity to manage their own selves in their own lives, then we will end up with a really, really powerful, a more powerful humanity. In, in, my, in my own context... You know, I, I often reflect and I think, how the heck did I ever stay so positive? And, and I've had to work really long and hard and diligently and through, a, through a many, many, many barriers that are beyond most people's comprehension or even belief to get to a point where I just am happy. And I, I use self-hypnosis to facilitate a re-engineering of my own mind so I cannot... At a physiological level, and I'll challenge any scientist on this earth to challenge me, I cannot stay in negative mindset mode for more than a maximum of two weeks. So anywhere from sort of like two days to two weeks, I can get over devastating news of deaths in the family. I can get over devastating events that involve people that I love dearly. I can... Uh, get over a disappointment that would knock most people on their on their rear end for two months and they struggle to get up again. I get over this stuff really easily, but I do it because I developed a technique which is basically re-engineering my mind to the positive. So my mind doesn't tolerate negativity for very long. The only downside to that is that because I'm so strong in that conscious uh, sense in my in my conscious mind and my subconscious mind, I actually have had to learn patience with people who aren't as quick to recover. But you know, this is a technique. I mean, you know what you said. Everything is just so right on because happiness really is a choice, and we really do have the power over our hearts, our minds, our bodies to change our whole metabolism and our, our whole biodynamics so that we can live in joy and live in bliss if we so choose, despite what's happening all around us. And you talk about these things in your books, No Boxing Allowed and free me- From Premenstrual System to Positive Mental Attitude. But tell us, you also 
teach these things. You you have many clients, including clients like um, Department of Industry and Social Justices, and you work on international security panels, etc., and can help other, not only people and companies, but you can help countries transform with the same methodology that you've worked with yourself. Absolutely, and this is the, this is why I'm I'm in a powerful position. And, and honestly, I mean, if there's a scientist out there that actually wants to, um, you know, measure brain waves and stuff, they they will be absolutely amazed at what my brain, my conscious mind, has the capacity to do. And I've I've put it out there to say, you don't believe me? Use me as use me as the guinea pig here. I I think this is revolutionary from the psychology of human beings' point of view. I think I think what I've hit on from my own personal experience, is going to revolutionise uh, the psychological sciences. Um, I believe that that might take a while because there is resistance to change. Um, and I've studied psychology. I've had psychologists and psychiatrists working for me in the health system in Australia. So I know their mindset. I know their paradigm. And I know the boxes and the labels and the diagnoses that these professions will apply so that they have an answer and, oh, yeah, tick that box. That person's got all these symptoms, therefore they can't progress beyond that box and we'll keep them there because that's what we can manage because that's all that we understand. And and so, you know, that on the, on the other side, I think over time I'll be able to address that with that profession. However, when it comes to relationships at a diplomatic level, you're dealing with people who have huge egos. Um, and, and egos aren't wrong, it's just a stage that people are at in their lives. I don't have need of an ego now, and my journey to get beyond that at a spiritual level, I articulate in my books. But I had an ego up until I was 42, 43 years old. I, I needed to have other people validate me. I needed other people to pat me on the back. And I was looking for that external validation all the time. That's actually okay because that's part of a normal development of a soul. That is, that is why we have people who are immature in, in, their, in their younger years and then they mature later or why people do the reverse. They're actually really calm and considered as a youngster and spiritually they go backwards. Well, and, and this is what people. you you have written about this. Nola's books, Nola Hennessy, her books are no boxing allowed, and from premenstrual system to positive mental attitude. And as you heard, coming up in just a couple of months, her autobiography will be released, and Nola will come back on because that one, that one's a kicker, boy. And we're not going to give any spoilers on it, but that is a book that is definitely needs to be read. Let's send people to your website, and I really want to encourage scientists should definitely get in touch with NOLA because there is something very, very important to be learned here. Her website is serenidadconsulting.com, serenidad, S-E-R-E-N-I-D-A-D, consulting. Dot com. Well, as always, Nola, it's always exciting to have you on, and it wouldn't have been a love fest without you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So, thank I, you. I, I, that's a pleasure. I really thank you for being with us on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, once again, and we'll look forward to you, you know, next month or April. 
then your autobiography comes out so that we can announce it to the world. So happy Valentine's Day. I hope that you treat yourself with all goodness and love and hugs and chocolate and flowers and that beautiful beach where you hang out. Oh, yeah, thank you. I think the chocolates and all that kind of stuff, that sounds pretty good to me. It sounds good. Well, I'm sending you a virtual chocolate. That was Nola Hennessy, SerenaDadConsulting.com. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 gifts, and Be The Star You Are for teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are. You are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a life. Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and with us, of course, now is our health hero, Heather Brittany. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, Heather. We're so glad that that you are here with us, because I'm excited about this segment, too. This is our, our our love show, our love fest. It's our Valentine's show. And so, Heather, today, I understand you're going to be bringing us the science behind attraction and love and romance. Yeah. So I'm yeah. very interested to find out what makes us attracted to somebody or what makes us repulsed by someone. What What's mm-hmm. the key? Yeah, well, you know what's something that's so interesting when people say, oh, you know, I love it for sight or you just know it. Or, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, you uh, people that are even just friends-wise, we instantly know if we want to be around someone. And um, what it is, you know, that you always think it's, oh, you know, we were meant to be together and it's all this amazing stuff. But when it really comes down to it, it really is a science. And some of it comes down to it's the brain chemicals um, going on. But also there's something, it's, you know, the nature versus nurture that um, it's actually, you know, a, a physiological thing that our, we do find ourselves attracted to people because this is how species stay alive, even though some people um, choose never to procreate, to have it. But that's the initial thing. So that's why when it comes down to it again, that we are um, 
animals and that we have Oh, yeah, to, yeah, we have to procreate. Oh, interesting, and, interesting. You know, that other animals, you know, we, we only can base it on, you know, speaking scientifically, we can only base um, the information that we know from animals of what we've studied over the years. To be, you know, true, there's probably so much more we don't understand or we don't know, but a lot of the things that we do know about certain animals and certain breeds is, um, you know, some some are monogamous creatures. Some are not. Some um, only you know only have they have very interaction um, with the opposite sex. It's only for the, you know they have a mating season, and then and then it's someone new the next year or the next time. Um, that the only whole thing is because they naturally know they need to um, keep their species going. And when it comes to humans, though, um, there's so many things, again, as I was saying, that, um, you know, with the chemicals, and we actually know um, psychological, psychological, excuse me, um, always they've done studies that say uh, that it takes between 90 seconds and four minutes um, before we know if we're attracted, if we fancy someone, if we have that sort of, the feeling um, when we have Heather, is it pheromones? I mean, is are we releasing a scent? Is it an energy? Uh, you know, is it just the law of attraction? What what is it? How do we know in those thirty seconds to four minutes? Well, there's again, there's hormones response, and there's actually three stages of it. So um, the first, so one thing they said too is that. Uh, you know, they, a lot of times, you know, when someone comes up to you, and, and this isn't even just oftentimes what will attract you over to someone may be a physical thing of, oh, my goodness, she's so beautiful or, you know, he's so cute. Um, but that they said actually what it depends on. And then when, you know, you start talking with someone, you'll know within that, you know, minute and a half to four minutes um, if you want to continue this on. And what they actually said it was that 55% of attraction is based on body language, the way people move around. 38% is the tone of their voice, and only 7% was what they actually say. And, you know, that's something very true. You know, if you've ever met people that have a really annoying voice that you can't stand or they just seem standoffish, um, or, again, their body language, it could just be their facial expressions that, you know, make you feel uncomfortable. It's, and there's just certain things. And, again, you know, they do say there are um, certain scents, you know, that people put off, but a certain sense, too, when it comes to the pheromone-wise. Um, something interesting enough, when we have mates, which I'll get into, there's actually three, uh, three stages of love. Um, when we get into the final stage, which is attachment. So I'll start with that first. So once, you know, with, with love, there's three stages, and there's lust, attraction, and attachment. And we all know that um, when people first get into relationships, it really is a lusty thing. That first day, there's, um, you're really, you're driven by your sex hormones, and, that, and that's testosterone and, es- and estrogen. And that's coming from both female and male sides. And, you know, that's why that when people just feel like, oh, my God, you know, this, oh God, you know they just feel overwhelming and just so amazed. Um, but then once you get past the lust, then there's the attraction. And that feeling when it's, you know, love struck. And, and almost, you know, you hear a lot of times, um, I even said about my husband, too, that when people realize once they've just gotten over the sexual thing, when they become into a committed relationship, that attraction, that feeling that they feel we're the most in love couple in the world and oh, no one's ever felt this love. And the funny thing is you hear so many people, you know, that say this. So, um, But it really does make you feel in your brain, you feel 
um, that you are the only one. And, and actually, there's um, three main uh, neurotransmitters, which means um, things transmitting in your brain. And that's adrenaline, dopamine, and serotonin. And those are responsible for so many things in our life. You know, what makes us happy, sad, scared. And um, when you feel that love struck, that the first thing that hits in, and the first neurotransmitter that hits in is the adrenaline. And that's, you know, your heart's pumping, racing, kind of nervous, that fight or flight, that, you know, oh, my God, uh, you know, ew, I want to see that butterflies in your stomach kind of feeling. Is that what gives um, us that warm glow? When people are in love, people usually, other people will look at them and say, oh, my gosh, you, you're glowing, you're glowing. You know, it's the same thing as like when you're pregnant, you're glowing. It's Is that what gives people that that warm, fuzzy look about them no, that actually, just makes them that happy? Gets into, that actually, that warm, an interesting thing with that is the warm, glowy feeling, that actually is something that's considered in the attachment stage. And with the attachment, there's actually two hormones that are re- responsible. And one, um, it's not oxycodone, it's oxytocin and uh, vasopressin. And the oxytocin is the cuddle hormone. It's the hormone um, that oftentimes they say, you know, is, is released uh, during sexual climax or as well what causes the attachment um, is that they say sometimes, you know, mothers, new mothers, when um, they're first uh, bonding with their babies, that, that that hormone is released in their body too. And that's where they feel this overwhelming love um, and that, you know, that joy thing. Um, getting back sort of, you know, with the, with the neurotransmitters, um, dopamine and serotonin can, can be the happiness. Dopamine, you know, why they kind of say it's dopey, you know, when you're dopey, you're just, you know, stupid in love. Um, it's responsible for the, it's the desire and the reward feeling in your body. And is that where the word dopey comes from, is dopamine? No, that's, that's a good well, one. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and and then the serotonin, as you know, is again, serotonin. It's a it's a happy transmitter. It makes us feel happy and love and and love that they've actually showed. Um, they've done you know sort of uh, MRI CAT scan on people's brains and seeing who are newly in love and asking them questions about their partner, and they really saw um, you know when looking at this that love really does change the way your brain thinks. You know, when they look and they see the color, your brain acts differently. And, and as we all know, um, oftentimes things, of course, um, if, as we know, some things completely fizzle out for some people. But when you're definitely, they call it the honeymoon stage. When you're first in a relationship, there's just so much, you know, there's just so much going on. There's just so much excitement and love and feeling. And that's because all these neurotransmitters and these hormones are working on overdrive and really stimulating your body, as well as they also, when things start, you know, if, if um, you know, if you start deciding maybe this is not the person, when things start kind of cooling off, your brain begins to sort of transmit back, and things become um, more of the logical stuff that's in. Uh, and that's why oftentimes, you know, we become so uh, overwhelmed with, with the love. Some people say, you know, I'm following my heart, not my head. Well, it always is truly your head, but because of um, all these hormones and, you know, these, oh, these stimulant um, neurotransmitters, we kind of lose sight of, you know, our logical thinking. And that's why you often hear people say, oh, God, you know, we did something crazy. We went to Vegas and got married or crazy in love or, you know, you, you, um, 
oftentimes things that uh, you would think you would never That's do. That's what I do. wanted to ask you. What does cause people besides too much booze, you know, to run to Vegas and get married by Elvis? Well, you know, again, I think oftentimes it is a, a slightly anticipate, uh, intoxicated thing. But, you know, as we say, when people... And in the early beginning uh, stages of relationship, that's oh, everything is on just full drive. Um, and one way, uh, you know, you can really explain, um, so dopamine and serotonin, uh, they're what make you feel euphoric and happy and just really, really good. Um, and, you know, and they, they, uh, they make drugs to um, match that feeling, things such as ecstasy, you know, the feeling of ecstasy. Um, they say is what that actually does is it turns on your neurotransmitters to full blast. And a good way, um, easy way of explaining it is pretending that um, your brain is basically a faucet and that it has a slow little drip. And so each day, you know, there's just little drips of dopamine and serotonin rushing out. Well, when someone takes a drug, ecstasy, it's like the faucets turn on full blast. They just are in, again, ecstasy and euphoria. And that same thing happens in a new relationship with love that all of a sudden this little faucet was, that would just have little drips coming out all of a sudden is on full on blast. And that's why, you know, people often um, so quickly uh, they, I love you, let's get married. You know, there's just, you're overwhelmed by this amazing love feeling. Um, but then, you know, often, often we know when things that you get logical more. Same thing as, as you grow older, um, things that mean more are different. And that's the interesting thing with this whole uh, love thing, as I said, that the final stage is the attachment. And as you know, with attachment, what um, sort of solidifies you to someone else is that bonding. Do you feel that true connection? And I said that they have the, their, your body puts out these hormones. Um, that they've said that after climax or when a new mother is, is bonding, there's things that really make you feel like uh, this, this person is so important to you. You feel that connection with you um, that makes you want to stay. And that's something, again, too, uh, when, it, when it comes to with love and attraction and staying, oftentimes people, as we can say, be blinded um, by sexual attraction, feeling that attachment to someone, but based on um, a sexual reward, something else. Or um, something you see that people oftentimes, if you ever see a man or woman and maybe one or the other is not as attractive, maybe the, the female is looks like she could be a model, and the guy maybe not so much. And people always think, God, you know, wow, what, what, how did he get hurt? Um, there is those things. Again, it's, it's oftentimes it, it could have been a physical thing, but... Um, it's a scientific thing that we know. We our bodies put out these sense our hormones. We connect. We we feel these certain feelings towards other people. You know that's such an interesting thing because I remember seeing this really funny cartoon years ago, and there was this really tall, gangly, very. And this is a cartoon, a very ugly man with this bodacious, gorgeous woman, and they were pushing a baby carriage, and mm-hmm. somebody walking by looks in at the baby. Carriage and says, "Well, obviously, got his looks and her brains." <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I've never, oh, no. I've never forgotten that cartoon. You know, it was just one no. of those things. But you know what you're saying is, I think about that from time to time. Is 
I think there's somebody, what you're saying basically is there's somebody out there for everybody. So yeah, this and, and year so, at Valentine's, don't despair, right? You know, enjoy that, your singlehood and, until you meet that person that, that gives you the buzz. Exactly. And, you know, and it's, it's always easier seven to, and it's, crazy i think i'm actually as i'm as i'm sitting here right now i'm actually making valentines right now for all of my staff members and that's something i've i always love to do is even it kind of makes me have a little childish sense but it's something really fun to me i've always loved valentine's day and never because of boyfriends and flowers and candies or anything. I loved it because I just thought it was so much fun as a, as a child in elementary school when we would spend the, the whole week, we would be making these little boxes and then on either Valentine's Day or, or the day, you know, before if it was going to be a weekend, everyone had, you know, would bring in Valentine's and bring in goodies and we'd have a little party. And it wasn't, you know, being really fair is that everyone got one. You know, no one, and it wasn't just like, one person got, and I always love that. And you go home, you know, and you get the candies, and your box is all full, and you just feel so special. And I remember I'd save the ones that were really, you know, sparkly and pretty. And I've always loved that, and so I always try to continue that on all throughout high school and college. That Valentine's Day, I always love to give my friends just make those little, you know, kind of little candy bags. And this year, I'm using My Little Pony um, uh, what, uh, Valentine cards. You know, the ones that you get that kids use for the So, Heather, things. with that, of course, we're already out of time. And But what I love what you're saying is Valentine's Day is for everyone. So share the exactly. love with your friends and your family and your colleagues and your staff. And it's really important to say that you care. And just to, to do fun things. Make these little artsy gifts up. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, amazing. Just make it. If it's special to you, it's amazing enough. Well, thank you for the science behind all of this. That was very, very interesting. And thank you all for joining us here on Star Style. Be the we hope that you had a good time and that we, we also just wish you all a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day. For more information about the charity, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. For more information about Star Style, it's star-style.com. And, of course, Heather and I will be with you every week. Do you want to just wrap up the last little bit for yourself, Heather? Yeah, the last little thing just wanted to say is don't get bummed out about Valentine's Day. It's a special day. If you don't have a boyfriend, get together with all your best girlfriends. If you don't have a girlfriend, get together with all your guys. Um, celebrate and let, and who knows if you end up going out that night, uh, the laws of science and not just attraction might get you a Valentine for next year. Well, who knows? Uh, Cupid is always busy. Well, again, thanks for joining us. And until week, remember that love always wins, kindness prevails, and smiles keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you've been listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We encourage you to go out. Have a wonderful week. Be a Valentine. You are our Valentines. We love you. Make this the best week ever. Until next week. Have a great one. The star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. 
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.